Thank you for listening to the Kelowna Christian Center podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be fresh and encouraging to you. For more information on KCC and how to connect, visit us at kcc.net. Well, good morning. My name is is Malachi. I'm excited to be with you this morning. Um, I have the honor of uh, closing out this series that we've been talking about, this Level Up series. And uh, I know Pastor Brody and uh, some of the guys were out of the men's camp out. I know uh, Pastor Brian made it in this morning to, to, to sing with us this morning so we can uh, have an awesome time this morning. We, I, th- I know they've been having a blast out there. I know Brian was telling us a story of the, they had a quad and they had a couple axes and they had some targets. I'm not going to steal your story, but I'll let you tell it. But uh, So it was a, it was a genuinely... Good, good time. I think they had a lot. They did a lot of man stuff. I think I don't know if they blew up stuff or they were shooting guns. But um, next year, he says. So you better, you better make it out next year. But I, I, uh, I love the series that we've been doing. How many, how many of you enjoyed this, this series that we've been doing? Level up. Is it, is it encouraging to you? Was it, has it been awesome? I, I know that it's been encouraging to me. It's been helping me a lot and just kind of processing through things. And we've been talking about this, this topic and this idea through all the areas of our, of our church, and uh, I've kind of come to this conclusion, and I think that, um, I think that we can all agree on the same level, if you would, if you would with me, um, that to some degree in our life, you could agree on this, that we want progression. How many agree with that? You would, you would say that to some degree in your life, you like to see progress. You like to see uh, progress maybe in your job. You'd like to see a promotion. You would like to see progress. Maybe some of you are in school or you're doing post-secondary education. You, you like to see progress. You like to see that the year is ending because some of us don't like school. Um, like me, I never liked school. I would always sit there and be like, I just can't wait till school is done. Um, maybe it's a desire for a relationship. We, we desire progress. I know uh, I just recently got married this summer and we, our, our relationship leveled up. Like we got rings and it was official, right? This was, this was cool. So we had progress in our relationship. But I, I spoke this message, not this particular one, but I spoke a message in, uh, in Youth and Young Adults. And, uh, and it was kind of on the same topic of we all desire progression. And hopefully that, most importantly to us, you know, as, as Christians, maybe some of us aren't Christian here, but you're thinking about it. But hopefully that, that most important desire is to level up with God, to that next level with God. We have these things that we would like to see in our life. We'd, we have maybe, yeah, like we talked about, a job or maybe school relationship, but, but hopefully our most important relationship to level up is with God. And so the reality is whenever we, we go to an, another level or whenever we try to go to the next level, there's always going to be something in our way, right? There's always going to be an obstacle that we have to jump over. There's always going to be something, an, an opposing force that's going to try and stop us. And I spoke on this topic of, uh, you know, what's stopping you from going to that next level? What's stopping you from going to that next level? And sometimes uh, it could be, you know, it could be in our surroundings, right? It could be in our environment. It could be in where we work. It could be our, our friend group that you feel like, oh, I just wish I had different friends. I, 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 then I could go to that next level. I'm, I feel like I'm held back. But if we're, if we're really honest this morning, if we're, if we're just blatantly honest with ourselves, most often, it's us. We stop our own progress. Like, we're our own worst enemy. 
essentially. We are ultimately responsible for going to that next step. And, uh, you know, within that thought, I had dis- we had discussed uh, uh, in our youth group and in our, in our young adults that, that comfort, comfort is an enemy of progress, right? Like comfort, complacency, when I, when I just kind of sit back and I'm just happy with where I'm at, if I'm happy with where I'm at, I'm not going to move forward, right? And so God is, God is not calling us to be comfortable. You might be like, well, I don't want to be a Christian. <laughs> so, sorry, but he's not calling us to be comfortable, right? He's called us to be world changers, right? He's called us to be the, he's, in, the in the scriptures, it, it says that you are the salt and the light of the world, right? And the salt being the flavor. You are the trendsetters. Christians, you are the trendsetters. You are the, the influencers, right? And you are the light of the world. You get to carry that hope with us. We get to carry hope into places where there is no hope. And uh, he's constantly calling us out of our comfort zones. Like, he's called me up here, and I'm not comfortable sometimes up here. And so, I actually never thought I'd be in this kind of place. I thought I would still be working, doing plumbing or something. That's, you know, it's, I feel like that's easier because I can, I don't have to be in front of all of you. <laughs> um, but what's stopping you from going from here to there, from A to B? And uh, I want to title this message, uh, Under the Surface. It was probably already up there the whole time, so my, there was no real build up to that, so... Thanks, Steve. It's okay. I, I can move on. We'll, we'll keep going. I want to I jump into the Bible. Not literally jump into, but I want to read the Bible. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, I hope you are. Um, and you should get familiar with it. It's a historical account of God's action in the world and his purpose with all of creation. This is a really important book. Um, if I was to sum up the Bible, it would be like it's, it's a road map for our lives, Right? Um, it's filled with stories and scriptures from multiple different writers, um, but it says, it says uh, in the Bible that, it, that it's actually God-breathed, right? It's God-inspired word. Every single word written in here is inspired by the word of God, so um, when we read the Bible, it, it not only has uh, the power to give us life, but it also has the power to help change our life, right? It has the power to help change our life. It doesn't change our life. It can help guide us, but we also, we also get to learn from it. Right, and there's some tough there's some tough stories in here if you're familiar with some of them. There's some there's some uh, interesting stories, and one of the one of the ones that I want to read to you this morning, it's uh it's it's convicting. Hopefully, it uh, hopefully you can get where I'm going with this. But it's in Second Samuel, chapter eleven, verse one. And uh, before I get into it, I just want to explain who I'm talking about because I like to give a lot of context of what's happening. And uh, so here we have David, right? Most of you probably know who David is, but if you don't, you know, David started off as a pretty normal guy. He started off as a shepherd. He was tending sheep. He was, I mean, he was a pretty cool guy because he killed bears and lions and stuff. But, uh, like, I would be terrified if I had to do that. But he eventually, he, he started as a shepherd, and he, and he became a king, right? A very famous king. He leveled up. Um, but I don't, I don't want to go into his whole life story, but there was this, you know, this one moment that virtually changed his life, and, and he went out to this battlefield where the, the Israelites and the Philistines were, were, were in this kind of war, and, uh, and he was bringing his brother's lunch, right? He was like the skip the dish guy. I don't know if you guys use that. Yeah, he was the Uber of food. Um, 
But, and so he's, he's going out there, and he's probably not expecting to, to do anything crazy. But uh, he ends up challenging this uh, giant named Goliath, right? And he kind of lips him off, and he gets himself in a little bit of trouble, so he has to back himself up with a uh, sling and a stone. And so he, he goes out, and he knocks this giant out, and then he actually, sorry, kids, but he decapitates him with, his, with the giant's own sword, right? So he kills him. And so Saul's like, whoa, that guy's, that guy's awesome. Like, how do you do that? So he, he actually noticed David, right? The king at the time, his name was Saul. He, uh, so he brings him into his inner circle, right? And, uh, and David plays harp for him. He's a really talented guy. Um, and so he's a musician, so he's playing harp for him. And then eventually uh, David begins to serve Saul and his army. And, uh, but then, then something happens, right? Saul uh, becomes jealous of David. So he tries to kill David. And so uh, David ran and hid, and he hid in this cave, essentially, and um, eventually outlasted Saul because Saul uh, fell in battle one day. And, uh, and so David then became the king. And so this is kind of where I want to start here. And it's in 2 Samuel 11. And I'm going to read from 1 to 5. You can read along with me. It happened in the spring of the time when kings go to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one morning that David arose from his bed and walked onto the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and she lay with her, and he lay with her. For she was cleansed of her, from her impurity and returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am with child. And so, as you can see, like David's probably in a little bit of trouble at this moment, right? He's, he's probably panicking, and, and maybe not just as a king, but his integrity as a king is at, is at risk, right? And so, in verses 6 to 13, I won't read it, I'm just going to paraphrase it, he tries to cover up his tracks, Right? He sends for Uriah to come uh, from battle, and he says, he, tells, he actually tells Uriah, hey, hey, Uriah, you know, you've been working really hard. You've been, you've been battling really well. You've been doing this war thing really, really good. I, I like your style, Uriah. But you should, you know, you should take it easy. Take it easy, go home, and uh, you should go home to your wife. And he's, he's essentially, he's trying to get Uriah to go home and, and sleep with his wife so he can cover his tracks so, he didn't, so no one knew that David did this. And so, but Uriah refuses, right? David didn't see this coming, but Uriah's like, no way, man. Like, my brothers are out there. They're all fighting. I'm not going to go to the comfort of my own home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually, I'm going to sleep outside this gate on the floor. And I'm just going to, that's where I'm going to be. And so David's probably frustrated and probably annoyed and being like, why does this guy have so much integrity? Um, but David, you know, he attempts, number two, right? He, he brings him in. The next day, and he actually tries to trick him. He tries to get him drunk. And uh, some of you are like, man, this is in the Bible. Yes, this is in the Bible. Um, this is pretty X-rated. So, um, <laughs> that joke. Um, so, David, he tries again, right? And same success rate as the first time. No, I, I, I can't do it. I need, to, I need to stay here. I need to sleep on the floor. I can't be comfortable. 
I can't be comfortable while my brothers are fighting. And so David's kind of left with this one option. And in the morning, it, in verse 14, it says, In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah, knowing that Uriah wouldn't read the letter, right? He knew of his integrity. So he, he sent the, this death note with Uriah, essentially. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle or in a retreat from him, that he may be struck down to die. And so it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there were valiant men, and the men from the city came out and fought with Joab. And some of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Let's just pray this morning. Father, we just uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your, your scriptures, God, that we can, we can not only have life from them, we can, we can get life from them, but we can also learn from your stories that you have in this book. God, that we would, we would be able to just be spoken to by you, God, this morning, that our hearts would be open, our hearts would be soft, Lord, that we would, we would just receive from you this morning, and we would laugh at all of my jokes, and, uh, and God, we just pray all this in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can say amen. Yeah, I like it when you guys are vocal, because then I know that I'm saying something good. It helps my insecurities. Um, let me ask you a question this morning. Um, and that was just my intro, so we're, we're just getting into it, so buckle your seatbelts. Um, how, how many of you have ever forgotten something? You can, yeah, you, hopefully everybody. You know, for all the moms out there, I know that the guys are, well, not all the guys, but some of the guys are away, but all the moms out there, maybe you've, uh, and Thanksgiving's coming up, and maybe you put something in the oven, and uh, I know that timers help with, with being unf- with un- unforgetfulness, but, uh, you know, you put it in the oven, you walked away, and you got distracted by something because there's so much other things going on, and your host mind kind of kicks on, and there's like this list that you're checking off, but then all of a sudden, ah! The, the, the food in the oven, and, and you, you pull it out, and you have to throw it away because it's burnt. Have you, have you ever had that happen? Is that just me? Okay, no moms have ever had that happen. That is amazing. But maybe, maybe you're like me, and you, uh, you call this cooking. You buy a Delicio pizza, which is my favorite pizza, and, uh, and you throw it in the oven. You turn it on, and you st- I still manage to burn the pizza, right? I, I forgot about it. And, and maybe, maybe you don't cook, maybe, but we can, we can all relate to this idea that I forgot to do this, or I forgot to do that, or, you know, I started, I started this, and I, and I didn't deal with it through. I, I, I neglected it. There was something I had to do that was really important, but I forgot. But now, you know, now that I've forgotten, I'm left with a consequence, right? My food is burnt, and I have to put another piece in. And I wasted five dollars. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe we just simply neglect to do something like, you know, the laundry. I, uh, I hate doing laundry. And sorry, Rebecca, <laughs> she, that's my job when I'm at, when I'm at home. I do the laundry, and it's not that because I'm lazy. I, I actually I feel like I can I can get through a day, and, and I, I feel like I'm not lazy. But you know, the laundry. The problem with laundry is it just keeps coming back. Right. Like, it, it doesn't end, and it's, and it's like this cycle, puns, it's like this cycle that just continually, continually comes, and it's like, if I, if I start to neglect, if my actions of negligence kind of take over, then I, you know, I'm left with the consequences now that I, I have nothing to wear, right? Or my house starts to smell, 
which is really easy before I met Rebecca, but now it smells like lavender, and it's, and it's wonderful, and peppermint. She bought all these essential oils, and it's amazing. Our house smells awesome. You should come over. Um, but, uh, you know, a number of years ago, I was, uh, I was at this bachelor party. It was a Christian bachelor party. Don't worry. And uh, we were out in the forest in the middle of nowhere, and, uh, and we kind of, it was my buddy Mitchell, he was getting married, and uh, I lived down here, so I drove up there, so I hadn't seen my buddies for a while, and we get into to teams, and they had this whole thing lined up, and uh, we get into these like groups of like five guys, and there's four teams of us, and we have like these uh, kind of like man-style like uh, competitions where they give each team a chainsaw and they give each team a hammer and they give each team like these like big spike nails and they're like okay now we have to go build forts because no one brought tents no one no one was allowed to bring tents or sleeping bags so we're like we had to go build a fort we had to go build ourselves a shelter this is like ultimate survival mode I mean, some of you are like that's not fun at all but some of the guys were like that would be kind of cool and so we we were in this like big gravel pit and uh, me and then me and my old boss he was a really handy guy and so we like built this massive fort it held like 15 people, and there was only like five of us, but we just wanted the biggest one. We didn't put a roof on it, which was our downfall when it rained that night, but we were in this big gravel pit, and like, we were like, we need to make the coolest fort ever. So we, we, it was like 20 feet up, and we dropped these two trees down to the gravel pit from our fort, and it was like this cool drawbridge, and everyone was like super jealous of our fort. And, uh, and, you know, we did all these other things. We would go hunting. We had a, a, a squirrel-killing competition, so I'm so sorry for all the animal lovers, but the, the loser had to eat one of the squirrels. So, and, uh, you know, I just, I, we didn't, our team didn't lose, but I just tried the squirrel just for kicks. And, uh, you know, it's actually not that bad. So if you ever are in a, in a pinch and you need to eat a squirrel, they're okay. They kind of taste like really greasy chicken, like, like worse than KFC, though. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the night, at the end of the night, we had this bonfire, right? And uh, you can't have a, a good camping trip without a bonfire. And so we had this big bonfire, and uh, my dad, you know, why is my dad here? Because he's that cool. He gets invited to all the birthday parties and all the bachelor parties of my friends. I don't know how he does. He's triple our age, but he's still that cool. So he was invited to this bonfire, and he, uh, he's like, hey, guys, we're all just kind of watching, we're like standing around the the bonfire eating and making marshmallows and, and cooking hot dogs and doing all that good stuff. And my dad's like, hey, watch this, guys. And he, and he takes this soup can and he tosses it in the fire and he just starts sprinting. And we're like, what's going on? And so we just started running with him. And all of a sudden it's like, boom! It was like this explosion. We're like, what? How did they? And there's like, there's soup everywhere, hot soup and like these embers of of burning wood and just like exploding and we're just like, whoa, this is the coolest thing. So we're starting to throw these soup cans. We're literally throwing our food because we had squirrel. We're not hungry anymore. But we started throwing these, these soup cans in the fire and my dad's just laughing because he's like, this is the best. And then, uh, and so they're exploding. We're having a good time. But then my dad, you know, he comes up and he, and he finds this hollowed out log, right? And this log's probably about this big and, uh, and it's perfect for three soup cans. They can just kind of throom, throom, throom fit three of them in there. Like perfect size. It was like God knew we were going to have a good time tonight. And, uh, and so my dad throws it in the fire. And this time we're all ready. We like, we like backed up an extra 20 feet because we're like, this is going to be a big explosion. And so we're like, we're standing there and we're just kind of waiting, right? Five minutes goes by. We're still waiting. We're waiting. And it seems like an eternity, and we're just 
we're sitting there just telling you, like, is this gonna is this gonna work, Dad? He's like, Yeah, yeah, it'll work. Yeah, it'll work. Just wait. So we're waiting. And then nothing happens. And so we're like, okay, that sucks. Um, you know, we kind of chalked it up to be maybe that one of the soup cans had leaked out its pressure. Uh, maybe it wasn't hot enough, you know, but we, we kind of just like timidly walked back to the fire and uh, we realized that it wasn't going to explode. You know, half an hour goes by, probably exaggerating, but uh, this time goes by and we're just kind of hanging out by the fire again. And so we've kind of forgotten about the soup cans. And so... I remember distinctly, I remember this. Actually, Jeff, you want to come up here? I need you as an example. You're like the perfect height. Sorry, I didn't tell him I was going to do this. What's up, Jeff? This is Jeff. Yeah. So, yeah, you actually are a perfect height. You're the perfect height of my friend, Jeremiah, or we called him Cubby. So I was standing there talking to Cubby, and we're just like having a good time. You can have a good time with me. And, uh, and it was like... It was, he was talking to me, and then all of a sudden, like, it was, this explosion happened. Boom! Right? But it was slow motion. It was like, I, I can remember it in slow motion. I don't know why, but I feel like it just always happens to me. But he's, he's kind of explaining the story. You can put your hands like this. He's explaining. And, uh, and this piece of wood, is my Bible, is like, going like this. And I'm like, standing here looking at this piece of wood, but looking at him, and he's still smiling. And then it just like, boom, like smokes him in the face. You can sit down. Um, but like this, it was like this chunk of wood. It was burning, and it like exploded. And then all of a sudden, we're, it, everything goes into fast motion, and everyone's like panicking and running, and there's hot soup flying everywhere, and everyone's getting burnt. And it was just this kind of awful experience, but it was also awesome at the same time. And this is probably why... Uh, women live longer than guys, but, and some of you might be like, what is he talking about? Why does this have anything to do with the sermon? Um, but, you know, the thing I want to talk about this morning, and there's the obvious, we talked about it, is that, you know, when we forget something, there's a consequence. When I neglect to deal with a problem, there's a consequence. But, you know, sometimes in that forgetfulness, it kind of leads to uh, that negligence, and it, it often negligence can, can almost lead me to purposely not dealing with something. It kind of leads me to, to a place, maybe it's, it's something that I've, I've you know, I use the term, maybe it's something that I've hidden, right? And I'm like, I, I don't want to deal with that. And we almost try to just, you know, we push it down, and we push it down, and we push it down, and we, we forget about it. It's, or the things in our life, you know, maybe we're ashamed of it, or maybe it's something that's happened to us, or maybe it's something that we've done, and we just kind of like, we take it, and we try to just push it, push it, push it, and, it, and it's gone. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And, and when in reality, when things become hidden in my life, there's consequence, right? And maybe it maybe doesn't happen in that moment. Maybe it's like the soup cans that just are sitting boiling, and they're boiling in the fire, and then all of a sudden, your life explodes. And the longer those things stay under the surface of my life, the bigger the consequence and I just want to, I want to share a couple thoughts with you this morning, and uh, it's on the thought, you know, what holds you back from going to that next level with God? And, uh, and my first thought is hidden things stop progress. Hidden things, things that are under the surface of my life, unchecked habits, you know, things that maybe I don't want anyone else to know. Maybe, maybe it's things that I just don't want to deal with. 
Maybe it's things that I just don't think are a big deal. I'm just like, eh, I can put that off. Or maybe you've had the thought that, you know, maybe, you know, you look around and, and, and you're in a big room and you're like, man, I'm, I think I'm the only one who struggles with this insecurity. I think I'm the only one who struggles with this shame. I think I'm the only one who struggles with this thing. And I'm just going to keep it hidden. Or maybe, you know, you, you think to yourself or you had this thought, you know, if they only knew what I thought, if they only knew what was going through my mind, if they only knew what I had did, or if they only knew who, what, I was, what I was doing, you know, if they knew about me, they wouldn't, they wouldn't accept me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide it. And things become deeply hidden in the, in the surface of our lives. And, and, and in King David's instance here, we're dealing with this hidden sin, right? It's pretty, pretty blatantly obvious. And, and in Psalm uh, 32, verses 3 to 4, it kind of teaches about, uh, it teaches us what the experience of hiding our sin is and what hiding things under the surface of our life can do. And it says, when I kept silent, my body wasted away. This is King David uh, speaking about this, this sin that he was hiding and he was covering up. It, it said, my body wasted away through groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality, my life was drained as a fever heat of the summer. And then it says Selah. And it, what that means, Selah at the end, is means like, think about it. Think about this. Let that sink in. Things not dealt with. Things that I stay silent about. Hidden under the surface. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's offense. Maybe it's, you know, it's sin. And our, but our natural tendency, you know, even as Christians, we all deal with something. We all struggle with something. We all have this thing called a thorn in the, our side. I mean, Paul, he wrote about it. But our natural tendency is to actually just hide it and not deal with it and treat it as like, well, that's, that's an insecurity. I don't want to show that, so I'm just going to hide that so, so people can see me for what I want them to see, right? It's like Instagram filters. We put a filter on everything. And we do our best attempt to hide it. We blame shift. We tell ourselves, you know, it's, I, I don't deal with that anymore. I, I have it all under control. Um, it's not that big of a deal. But the reality is that hiding this stuff, hiding that you know, under our surface, it actually drains us, right? It drains us of our resources. It drains us of our life. It kind of eats at our conscience. Um, and we have no energy left there to actually give to others. We have no energy left to, to give life to others. We're just constantly kind of just like hiding this, what's really inside of us. And we're kind of like this instead of this, right? We're not open. And, uh, and in David, David, uh, he spent all his time and energy, right? We read it. He spent his time and energy just trying to cover up the issue. Uriah, come home, man. You've worked so hard. Go home. Go home to your wife. Just, just, I just need to cover this up. Go home to your wife. And, you know, Uriah stays, and he's like, no, nah, I'm going to sleep at the gate. I'm going to sleep outside. And, this, and David tries again, tries again. And eventually, he's almost like, it's almost like David's at this crossroads. It's like, either I come clean or I go darker. I go down this darker path. You know, bad choices lead to bad choices. I, I, I saw this really, thi- this really stupid thing. That I, it really bugged me. I was, I was just looking at Instagram, and, uh, and it was on this person's, like, uh, little description of their info or their bio or whatever, and it says, bad choices lead to the best experiences. And I was like, what are we coming to? Have you ever in your life... And have made a bad decision 
and was like, well, that was the best thing I could have done. And he walked away being like, that was awesome. I feel terrible, but I, I also feel good because it was the best experience. I mean, we can, we can learn from things, but we never tell ourselves after we've done something really stupid. And I'm saying like really dumb. And, and, and look back at me like, that was awesome. No, we feel terrible about it, right? And so but we, we, you know, we, we try to sweep those things under the rug though, right? David's trying to, all he's trying to do is forget, Right? He has this thing on his mind, and he's like, man, I just need to forget this. I just need to cover it up and bury it down deep enough so no one can find it. I just don't want to worry about it, because worrying will give me gray hairs, and I don't, I don't want to worry about it anymore, so I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. But here's the thing about truth, right? The nature of truth is to rise. The nature of truth is to always rise to the surface. You know, the truth of who we are will eventually rise, to the surface, no matter what we cover it with or what others try to cover it with. Maybe someone's trying to uh, rub your name in dirt and, and cover it with mud, and they're trying to bad talk you, but the truth of who you are will rise. But if you're, trying to, if you're trying to cover up things in your life, you're trying to cover up the truth, it's going to rise. And, uh, and this happens to David. I don't think he actually uh, fully thought this was going to happen. But uh, Nathan actually confronts him in chapter 12, his buddy Nathan. And uh, he tells him this convicting story. And he says, hey, hey, David. David's like, yeah. Hey, so there's this, there's this rich guy, right? He has, he has all this wealth, and he has all these uh, sheep. He loves sheep, so he collects sheep. And it's, and it's awesome. His life is great. He has tons of money and tons of sheep. But then there's this poor man, Right? And this poor man has nothing but one sheep. He raised this sheep. He was almost uh, like a father-son uh, relationship between the sheep, which is kind of weird. But this is just how he is explaining it, right? He says this sheep was really close to this poor man. And the rich man has a friend that's coming over. And he doesn't want to spare one of his sheep. So he actually goes out and he steals this poor man's sheep. And David's response, and this is kind of where, I, where I, I came to the conclusion that David's actually just trying to forget what he did. I don't know how many uh, months went between this time of con- confrontation and the time of when he tried to hide it, but I think he's actually forgotten what he's done. I think he's actually covered it enough that he's forgotten because his response is like, hey, we should, we should kill that man. We should kill that rich man. Like, how dare he take that guy's sheep? And I'm like, David, you're such an idiot. Like, what are you thinking? But then, you know, Nathan's response to him is like, hey, David, wake up. You're the rich man. And how, you know, how would you like to be in that conversation with a friend? How would you like to be Nathan in that conversation? You know, but Nathan didn't confront David to hurt him, right? He said it because he wanted David to be free. If that, you know, if that information had gone out to anybody else, maybe it would have been worse. But, but Nathan was a close friend. He was someone that could see David's blind spots. He was someone that could call David out. He was someone that could call the truth out. You know, truth is going to rise one way or the other. And I don't say that to scare you, but it's just, it's simple truth. It's what truth does, right? And uh, if we want freedom in our life, and if we want to progress to that next level, if we want to... To, to have those moments with God and we want to get free of those things that are kind of dragging on us. We have to stop hiding. And I'm not saying, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you need to 
to lean over to your neighbor right now and tell them everything you did yesterday or, or past, the past years of your life and all these sins that you've committed or, or whatever, you've, whatever you've been thinking and all these things that are shameful to you. I'm not saying lean over to your neighbor and just spill your garbage out. I'm not saying that. You know, it's one of the things that Pastor Brody has said that in small church, that's where we can grow. In small church is community. In small church, we can have people in our lives that we can really trust, like a Nathan, someone that can call us out of that, someone that can help us out of that, not for our detriment, but for our freedom, right? And so our priority is not to go to the Nathan. It's not to wait till the Nathan comes. It's actually to go to God. Our first priority is to deal with this relationship right here, right here first. And then I got this kind of picture in my head, and, uh, and it was, it was, it was kind of like it was me. It was something that I've done in the past. And it was like this, I was standing like this, and I was like, God, you can, you can have everything. Here's everything I have, everything that you want. You're all I want. I sing the songs on Sunday. Here it is, everything, everything. And I'm being a Christian for, for all my life, God. You know that, that this is all I have. And then meanwhile, I have my hand behind my back, and I'm like, Hiding it, right? Or it would be this hand, right? This hand's up. God, you have it all. And this hand's back here. And I'm like, God, you, you don't want to deal with this over here. I, I can take care of this. This is, this is just something little over here. I, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't really fully need your help with this one right here. But you can have the rest of this. This you can have, but this, uh, I'm just going to hold on to it. It's almost like we're, we're scared of what God's going to say when we open up that other hand. You know, it's almost like we, we fear God's view of our life. And my second point this morning is this. Instead of us, you know, trying to do our best attempt to bury and deal with, or, and not deal with what we, we have in our life or we're just hiding everything, instead of, instead of holding on to that little thing behind our back, we need to start to hide in God and not in sin. Hide in God and not in sin. When I was a kid, I, you know, I, whenever I broke something in the house, if I, if I broke my mom's favorite plate, I didn't get up on the, I didn't, I didn't get up on the, the chair or the, or the table and be like, Mom, look, look what I did. I, I feel terrible, but I just want to come clean. I broke your plate. No, it was like immediately as soon as that plate hit the ground, I was like, my sister did it. You know, she was older. She could take the heat, right? But as soon as the plate hit the ground, it was like all the blame was going to you, sis. Sorry, you're the firstborn. You can handle it. But, you know, I was fully convinced that everything I did bad was her fault, right? And that was when I was young, but that can translate into our lives now. But it's, it's, because, it's because our motivation was fear-driven, right? My mom will be mad at me if I break her plates, and she knows it's me. I'm going to be punished. It's the way the world works, right? But then, but then our view of God becomes that. If I tell God this, he's going to punish me. If I show him that, he's going to be disappointed with me. He's going to be mad with me. And the biggest lie, I think Brian kind of touched on this last week, um, the biggest lie we can tell ourselves is, you know, God doesn't love me. God's mad at me. Or maybe he, maybe I know he loves me, but he's actually disappointed with me, and that's almost worse. I think, I think God's going to punish me one day. I'm just kind of tiptoeing around my life, like, 
like walking this little tightrope of righteousness. That's what we think it is. So we walk this little tightrope, and if I slip, if I step off, if I slip, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to fall. God's not going to catch me. He can't love me. I won't accept it because I can't accept myself. And I know that, you know, we, may, we might deal with thoughts like this. You know, I, I do. On a regular basis, I have to, I have to come to God and be like, God, I, I know how you view me. If you, if you know how God sees you, it can change everything. If you know God's view of your life and what he sees, what filter he sees through, It'll change how you view yourself. It'll change how you view others. It'll change how you interact to and talk to and treat others. It'll change your confidence as you walk out the door. It'll change the confidence in your heart and how you do schoolwork. You will want to do excellent because you know that, that God is, is looking at you and he's smiling at you. It'll change how you go to your job. It'll change how you react in situations because we know better than anybody that, that storms come, regardless of if I pray or not. Storms come in our life. Things happen. Situations arise. My car breaks down once in a while, you know, and I can't really control it, but my reaction to that situation will change if I know how God sees me. I'm going to ask Kayla just to come up as I close and but here's what, I, here's what I mean when I say hiding God. When I say hiding God. When you, when you accept God, when you, when, you, when you say these words, when you, when, you, uh, when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, when you become a Christian, essentially, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, right, when you make that decision to put all the chips on Jesus, you put all your trust on him and you're like, God, take my life. Like that, like that picture, but both hands are up. When you say, God, like, you know, we, most of us maybe have had those genuine moments with God. We become, when we do that, we, we become hidden in Christ. When, when God sees you, he sees his son, Jesus. We become literally hidden in Christ. In Colossians 3.3, 3, it says, for you died, your old life is dead, your past is dead, and your life is now hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. And when, when God wants to hide something, you're not going to find it, right? He's the best hide-and-seek player you will ever see. When God wants to hide something, when his word says you are now hidden in Christ, he means it. Let, let me explain further. You know, God, God is perfect, right? I think we can all agree that God is holy, right? God is perfection. Like even the English language doesn't have enough verbiage to, to explain how perfect God is, right? Like he can't, he can't wink at sin. He can't like turn a little shy eye to sin. Like his character towards sin is justice, right? Like his character towards it, he can't contradict his own character, when, he, when sin is there, he, it, it must be paid for, right? And so, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. His son was made payment. Therefore, a payment had to be made. So Jesus came once and for all. It was finished on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished, right? He didn't just say that and be like, oh, I was just joking. It is finished on the cross, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him. For God made 
Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, when, when Jesus went to the cross, he was made sin. Every sin, past, present, and future, was actually hurled upon Jesus. And the, the, uh, the moment that that happened, Jesus cries out in agony. In Matthew, says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what that means is all of heaven actually looks away, right? Like his, his, his relationship with his father was severed in that moment because he became sin and God can't look at sin. And so he, every, it said all of heaven, including God, looked away. My God, my God, why, haven't you, why have you forsaken me? Jesus traded his, his perfect relationship with a heavenly father so that we could have this perfect relationship with him, right? He took everything so that we could become the righteousness of God. He hid us in him so that we no longer have to go like this to God. We no longer have to hold on to whatever we're holding on to. We can just let it go and get, say, God, you can have it all. You can have it all. And what that does for us, it releases the weight that we're holding on to. Because attached to that is a chain. And it's, and it's what you're holding on to is going to hold you back. What you're holding on to is going to hold you back. So it's time to let go of the past. If you're dealing with hidden sin, if you're healing with hidden shame in your life, or you're healing, you're, you're healing from something and you just feel like you can't get rid of it, just let it go in this moment. I just want to ask everybody as I close, just to, just to have a moment with God. Just close your eyes. I don't want to have anyone looking around. Just have this moment with Him. And just begin to let go. See, God can't be mad at you. When you become hidden in, in Christ, God can't be mad at you. He is smiling at you. His countenance towards you is love. It's not anger. It's not frustration. Man, I can't believe he did that again. Man, I can't believe she's going through that again. Man, this is like the eighth time. He's not looking at you like that. He's saying, I love you. Come on. Let go. Let go. Come to me. I'm here for you. I just want to quickly pray for a couple groups of people this morning as we close. I never want to walk away from this place and, and not give an opportunity. And so if you're in that, you're in that space, I don't, I don't know if you're here, I just want to always give that opportunity if, if, if you're in this place of you're level one or maybe you're looking at taking a step onto level one. You've never made that decision to follow God. You've never made that conscious decision to follow Christ. Or maybe you've, you've made it in the past and maybe you're, you're here this morning by chance and you've, you just want to rededicate. You want to say, God, I want to come back to you. I want to go back to level one. I don't care what it looks like. I just want to go back to you. If you're here, if you're here this morning and you say, I want to go to level one. I want to take that first step with God. I just want you to quickly just raise your hand. I just want to know if you're here so I can pray with you. Do you want to just rededicate your life to him? 
Thank you. I see that hand. If you want to make that decision for the first time in your life, God's just, he's poking at you. I just want to wait just a couple seconds here. Just give a moment. And as a church, I just want us to pray this prayer together just for the sake of those around you. So you just repeat after me, God, we come to you now. We know that your son was sent to the cross for us and for our sin, past, present, and future. God, we acknowledge Jesus, your son, is our savior. Would you forgive us of my sin and take me to that new life with your son? In Jesus' name, amen. And just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just in this moment. I just want to pray for the second group here. And you've, you've, you've been in that place where you've, just been, you've been holding on to something. You've been holding on to something, whether it's pride, whether it's insecurities, whether it's fear, whether it's sin, and you've just been holding on to it. And you just want to let that go this morning. And I just want to pray with you, and we want to pray as a church. So if you're here, and that's you, you're just, you just want to go to that next level with God and your relationship with Him, but you need to let go of something. If that's you, just, just raise your hand. I just want to know if you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You just want to go to the next level. You need to let go. You need to let go. Let go of the past. Let go of those things that maybe maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe something hurt you, and you, you have a hard time forgiving. Maybe it's an offense. And you just want to let go. Let go. Father, we just... We just thank you for your spirit, God, that you are such a loving God. You're such a merciful Father, that you love us so deeply. You love us so deeply. And God, we, we look at you as a good daddy, a good father. We look up you, and you are smiling at us. Your countenance towards us is love. And so this morning, we just collectively as a church and those who had raised their hands, we just let go. We let go of whatever we were holding on to and whatever was going on, holding on to us. God, those chains, that weight, we just let it go. And God, you would just send your peace, your comfort. Would you just comfort us in this moment and just give us a big hug? God, we just let go. We collectively let go, and we want to go forward. We let go of the past and we take a step forward. We just thank you. And sometimes it might not just be a one time and, and done. God, we recognize that your mercies are new every morning. That when we wake up tomorrow, we let go. That we wake up on Tuesday, we let go. We wake up on Wednesday, we let go. We let go of control. We let go of what is holding us back as KCC. And we take a step forward in you. In Jesus' name, amen.